Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. And please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming guest speakers, interviews. We're talking to producers and agents and showrunners. It's going to be great. You can also DM us with questions or topic suggestions. You can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com, and that's all spelled out, or on our Twitter and Instagram at act2writers. I'm also on The Things. I'm Story Thursday on Instagram and Tasha 3.0 on Twitter. And I am Josh Hallman on Instagram and Joshua Hallman on Twitter. Come find us. Come find us. All right, today, I'm actually really excited slash nervous about today. So today we have a special offer for our listeners that I am very excited about. It's a little giving back to you awesome writers out there. And we're doing our first ever script club here on the podcast. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yay. And script club is something that we do in act two with our writers. And we do it every month. And we decided to bring it to... The small podcast radio screen, not the big screen. But I, but before Wait, we do that, <laughs> <laughs> bring it to you live on the small podcast screen. All right. Before we do that, though, we have an unboxing to do today with a special offer, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I love I I actually feel like this podcast is the first unboxing. Like, you, you're like, screw the video. We're going to unbox <laughs> over a podcast. That's why we use our writing skills to describe eloquently what we're looking at. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so well, Josh and I have talked at length in our New Year's goals episode about how we use to-do lists to like break up all the things we do into mini goals so that our big writing goals can get accomplished. And so we have these heroes journal, which is yeah. one of these cool things that turns your to-do list and like the things you have to do in your everyday life into an actual adventure. And I first came across hero hero's journal because Instagram follows everything that we do. And the Instagram algorithm showed me an ad for it. And I was like, yes, buy this immediately. Mm -hmm. So this is actually something I've used that I love. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to turn it over to you because you've not used it before. This is sort of your first time. Yeah, no. And you know this about me. I love journals. I have so many journals that I haven't written in, but every single time I see a new one, I think to myself, I need that journal. Like it just makes sense to me. I have, I'm looking around and just around me are journals. I have a Captain America journal. I have a just, anyway. So when you sent me this. It's awful. Oh my God. So I started to flip through and I was like. Or I was looking through the website and I was like, this is it. Like, this is the journal that I need. <laughs> and so so I just actually, right when you were like, we're doing an unboxing, I, I unboxed it. So <laughs> Go. I, op- I opened it up. And here's the thing about this hero's journal. It's just a strong journal. I, I'm going to tell you this. As, as a, a man who knows what a good journal is. Yes. This is like the fabric on the outside. Yeah. The idea of the hero's journal is basically to organize your life, right? Like, so it's equally inspirational as it is to keep track of things. So you kind of, you open it up. There's this map. It says who the journal belongs to. Wait, there, what's your map of? My map is of uh, the land of Astoria. Ooh, me too. Is it colored and beautiful? Yeah. Adventure in this land. Yours is in 3D? (laughs) 
3D. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's a pop-up book over there. Your, yours isn't jumping out at you. And so it looks and, like a D&D map. I'm just going to say that right there. I, you know, I've never played D&D, but it does. Yeah. And so basically you, you, you open this thing up and it's like you flip through the pages and then there's this kind of this area that's like every great adventure starts with a simple knock at the door from an unexpected visitor. This is your call to adventure. And then it basically asks you, you know, consider for a moment what called your adventure. And I think you kind of you write down your adventure and what you want, and you you can. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the hero's journey. Yes. For yourself. For yourself. That's what so. That's what I find so cool about it is because as writers, we're already thinking in this space of heroes' journeys and you know the refusal to the call. What's causing your hero to not go on this adventure? What kind of fears do they have? And like, what are their impediments? And what is actually the thing that they need to get across that threshold? And like, we've, we're thinking about that anyways. And yeah. to apply this sort of fictional thing that we do with our characters to ourselves, I find extremely motivating. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. And can I just say one more thing about how awesome this journal is? Say more. Okay. So basically, you you kind of go in. And you write down what your your adventure is or whatever your quest is going to look like. And then it's like, what if you refuse this call? What does it look like in three months from now? What if you accept the quest? What is it, you know, what's the progress you want to make in three months? Mm-hmm. And it has all these different things that are very similar to the hero's journal. And it makes you question, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that could usually happen is that fucking nothing changes and you're just the exact same person. So why not yeah. go on that adventure? Yeah. But here's what I love about it. There's a page, Tasha, which I know you've probably already looked at. Oh, but it, yeah, yeah. It, it is on. the accepting the quest page. Yeah. You have okay. to sign your name. You have to date it. And then yeah. you put the signature that you've just accepted the quest that you put down. Yeah. There's something about your signature. You just have to, that you you know, your word is your bond. Your, your word signature. is your bond. You yeah. sign the contract. It's like in The Hobbit. He now has to go on an adventure because he signed the contract. That's exactly what it is. And I'm not just saying this because I, I feel like, you know, we were sent these notebooks, but I'm telling you this. I love this journal. <laughs> I love this journal too. It has my official stamp of approval. It's cool. Like in the first early pages too, it even has, it like separates this book into acts because the idea is it's trying to help you achieve your goal and that process you will have hurdles. You you will have all the things we put in front of our characters when they're doing their journey for their movie. And so they break up your life's journey for this year or however long you're going to use this journal for into acts. So to kind of help you make it easier. And that's what we talk about all the time, right? Like mini goals in order mm-hmm. to get to the bigger goal. And what I love about these pages, when you, when you actually start to open it to like the day-to-day, what you're actually filling out, every day is is i think pretty much the same the way it's set up where you have the very first thing that you write down is i am grateful for three things yeah the act two podcast the act two podcast josh hallman (laughs) (laughs) and my computer so i can write (laughs) (laughs) but we always talk i mean everyone always talks about waking up and having morning gratitudes this kind of puts that right there and to be honest whenever i do that it immediately puts me in the right frame of mind it's it's the equivalent of you telling me i need to you know meditate every morning and i don't (laughs) but i do this and then what's cool is also on the bottom speaking to what you were saying about like kind of 
the the things that set us back usually are fears that we're not going to change. Like they have a, a section on the bottom of this page that says today's threats. So the threats, right? Any obstacles that distract you from what you want to accomplish, whether it's junk food, social media, or, mm. you know, at looking at your phone for too many hours in the day. It's like putting those down on paper. Yeah. And then you're like, oh yeah, those are things that are tangible. Those are things that I can wrap my mind around. And it's okay if they're today's threats. Maybe tomorrow they're not going to be. And the way they just frame this is like, my quest for today is this. In order to seize the day, I have to do these three things. And then there's a notes page. There's like a whole section where you can write like what you're doing for the day in terms of like your schedule and stuff. And mine... Is called the Adventures Edition, and it's leather. You got the fucking Adventures Edition. I got edition. Adventures Edition. It's so awesome. Talk about hefty. I got Wildwood Green. God dang, that's all right though. I I'm I'm jealous. My one so my cool. one note that I would like a little a little change in the Hero's Journal. Oh, hit me, hit me. There's a lot of uh, drawings throughout the journal. Yeah. And I would like a personalized journal with my photo in it where the anime <laughs> where the drawings are so i'm the actual hero you and i should have our own journal i'm gonna push that's for that that's pretty awesome yeah maybe Seems that's an additional thing you can pay for to get your face on there instead of no no the no guy who's supposed just, to be you just standard just standard journal <laughs> just standard. <laughs> everyone gets josh hallman <laughs> and i the last thing i'm going to say about this is i feel like a lot of people refrain from writing in these journals because you're really vulnerable and then in somewhere in the back of your head mm. you're like worried that someone's going to find this journal mm. at least i have always been like that <laughs> i have enough journals to get me in a lot of trouble for a long time so uh -huh. i'm just saying that you got to put that shit aside i'm kind of talking to myself and just just lay it all out in a journal it's funny because i feel like the biggest hurdle to journaling is is not a fear that someone's going to find it <laughs> But it is like not having any idea what I'm supposed to journal that day. Mm. It just doesn't well, make sense to me. But this is like, it super guides you. Yeah, no, that's why this is so great. Because it's like, all right, what do you want to do today? What happens if you don't do it? What yeah. happens if you do do it? And it's a reminder that you need to do something every day. 100%. And it can be some, like, it's often for me, it's like, get act one done. What are the hurdles? Yeah. Josh texting me all day. <laughs> hey, Tasha, can you can you give me advice on my script? <laughs> yeah, that'll never end. So that that I'm I'm gonna be both an ally and yeah, a roadblock. Yeah, and a threat. And a threat along the way. Anyway. So yeah, if you want one of these awesome heroes journals, which I highly recommend. It's it's basically made for writers. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, you can check it out by going to theheroesjournal.co backslash discount backslash act two. And heroes is spelled with one O because it's heroes apostrophe journal. Um, but we're going to throw it up on our Twitter and Instagram as well. So it's easier for you to find there. But that's theheroesjournal.co backslash discount backslash act two. And you get a 10% off your journal, which is very exciting. I think that's fucking outstanding. <laughs> I do. I think this is the best journal I've had. I'm not it's, even joking. I'm so glad I could introduce this to you. It's, I knew yeah. you'd love it. When you sent it to me, I was like 100% in. Yeah. I knew it. Okay, so go get one. It's super cool. Tell us what you think about it. We'd love to hear if it's helpful to you as well and how you use it. Please. Let's Script do it. Club? Yeah, we let's go. Let's, we're moving on to script club. All right. So we will usually, in act two, 
because we are a network first and foremost for screenwriters. Our podcast is one of the things we do, as I say all the time. Mm -hmm. So what we do every month, we will read a spec that has just sold, or in this case for today, one that was announced with some really great attachments to it, because as a screenwriter, it's important to know what's out there, what's selling, and really try to figure out why. Because is there something you can learn from why this sold or why this got a big attachment? And I think it's also a really great reminder that in reading these specs that sell or get a lot of hype, nine times out of 10, these scripts are often very average, right? We kind of think, oh, if that spec sold, then it must be the most like genius spec that was ever created and mm -hmm. I will never be that thing. But that's not true. That These are actually very tangible things that are selling that, that you are very much capable of writing. And it's very helpful to read that and to break them down so that you can understand how you can do that, right? Yeah. We will also, for Script Club, read scripts from movies that we love, like... Goonies, E.T., Harry Potter, these kinds of movies that like really affected us and break down at a writing level why they affected us so much. Mm -hmm. We'll also read scripts just from screenwriters who are masters of their craft, whether it's something that's sold or not, just to, just to see how they do their thing. Um, and I think a big watchword for our script club is not to come in like, I hated the script and these are all the reasons why I hated it, or I loved the script, these are all the reasons I loved it, which are valuable feelings, but it's looking underneath those feelings <laughs> and saying, okay, on a mechanical screenwriting level, what is making you hate it? What is making you love it? Why is it working and not working in these very specific places? And what writing lessons can we learn from that? So if you're ever reading scripts on your own, that is a very valuable way to start thinking about it so that you can kind of do your own script club in your head, basically. Yeah. But that's what we're doing today with Ending Things by Kevin Sullivan. Deadline described it as a hot package mm -hmm. earlier this month. It has Anthony Mackie and Priyanka Chopra Jonas attached to star. Davis Entertainment is attached to produce. They did Jungle Cruise, Predator, Man From U.N.C.L.E., Shaft. So they do a lot of action movies. Also, Lit Entertainment is attached to produce. They're a management and production company. Inspire Entertainment is also attached to produce. They are Priyanka's managers, which I think is interesting. And then Anthony Mackie's company, Make It With Gravy, is also attached to produce. Yeah. And as far as I can tell from my very cursory search this morning, kind of a month after this was um, thrown out, there's a hot package on the interwebs. Yeah. Uh, it seems like this did not sell. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's where we are. Which is just interesting. That's maybe a conversation for another day because a lot of times we see things and I still see things on Deadline or Hollywood Reporter or whatever. And you're like, oh, shit, this is a hot package. It must have sold for a lot of money. And then you, you mm -hmm. realize, oh, wait, this didn't sell and this project might be stalled. You know, what's going on here? That happens 99% of the time, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a lot of smoke and mirrors in the entertainment industry, if you didn't know. So yeah. um, anyway. Um, let's start quickly with just kind of what this script is about. Um, I'm going to just read what Deadline says about it. Yeah. Uh, they describe it as a True Lies-esque action film. Uh -huh. It is about a hit woman who wants out of the assassin business, tells her business partner that she's ending their relationship as well. 
very confusing. But she comes to realize that she doesn't want to end that part of their bond. And in order to survive the breakup and their last job together, they must join forces for one last night out. So one of the things I want to talk about just right up front is, does that logline feel accurate to you? No. <laughs> what I will say is I, I think that when you start bringing true lies into any conversation, now, mm -hmm. granted, I'm very precious to true lies. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. It's one of the most influential yes. movies uh, in my orbit. I feel like when you start saying true lies, it's like the candy man. You know, you you, you expect <laughs> one very specific thing. And I don't think that that log line necessarily it kind of it, it almost felt like it, this isn't so much of a true lies. It was a little bit more of a character piece, in my opinion, whereas mm -hmm. true lies was a little bit more action and action and character. Yeah. Yeah. That felt like a sales pitch. Totally. There we go. Like that, that's actual... the word I was. That's what I was kind yeah. of dancing around. Yeah, that what you that log line you just I mean, first of all, is that a log line? What you just read? No, it's a terrible log line. I think. I mean, yeah, someone could have come up with a with a better log line. Actually, someone did. Um, Mark in our script club last night. It's, that's that's when we did ours. Um, who's also, by the way, our March mentor in partnership with Coverfly. So he's super awesome. He's very smart. Definitely get in on applying to that if you haven't already. You can do yeah. that on Instagram, Twitter. I'm gonna just plug this Great cover dude. fly you can do it on either of ours sites things site i don't know if that's a really old person thing to say yeah. <laughs> or site or website http aol.com <laughs> <laughs> but his log mark's log line for this was that it's mr and mrs smith before they get married and i'm like yeah that feels more accurate to what this is yeah well I, I mean, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but what was really interesting about this script is I felt like it was, it was very character based and which is great. I think that's absolutely that, you know, there were a lot of scenes that were just these two characters, which I thought were, was really smart. And, um, I thought it was really engaging at times, but it didn't, and it, it, it didn't have that same kind of, uh, uh, appeal and like, I don't want to say sexiness. I don't think that's the right word, but there's something that just didn't really match like the Mr. and Mrs. Smith true lies world for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think sexiness particularly for Mr. and Mrs. Smith definitely yeah. works. As I mean, granted, if it was, you know, Brad Pitt in this movie, not taking anything away from Anthony Mackie, I'd probably be like, <laughs> yeah, this is. I mean, he bring, yeah, he, both of those, Angie also, they just bring the sex with them wherever they go. <laughs> they do. They just they just walk with sex. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Walk with sex is a great title for a movie, by the way. <laughs> well, let's start out how we kind of start out all script clubs, which is did you generally like it or generally dislike it? Just the read. Like, did you have fun reading it or no? Yeah, no, I, I generally liked it. Yeah, I thought it moved at a really great pace. It was a very quick read, which is also very helpful. It's comes in at 109 pages, 108 and a half, yeah. which is a great length for something like this, especially because as you say, it's a lot of two characters talking, so that can move very quickly. Um, but also the way, and speaking to style, the way Kevin writes is a lot of like single line action descriptions, mm -hmm. which I think really can work in terms of just how the pace of the read goes. And it's great. I mean, I think that helps helps make it easy to read but also when you look at a page you're like 
okay, yeah. I can keep reading this because there's not just blocks of text I have to get through. It's a lot of dialogue and then like single lines throughout. Yeah, the single line, it really does. You're absolutely right. It keeps the pace moving. And, and Kevin does a really great job at his descriptions. I felt like were really vivid and they're like really helpful and you knew exactly where you were at all times and it was quick and you're just, you're good. You're going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that was definitely a plus and something you see a lot actually in scripts that are selling like specs that are the hot spec that sold there is a there is a fast pacedness to the language mm -hmm. um, it's it's very it's very rare to see a spec that is just sold especially like in a bidding war or something like that where like it's just blocks of text that's a lot to get through which says something both about the people buying <laughs> but also about the kind of the kind of content the kind of read you're you can look for um, when you're when you're breaking up your own stuff. You mentioned that you feel like this is a more kind of character story, almost like a. You said to me separately in text, it almost felt like an indie character drama that just happened to be set in the world of an action movie. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the characters for a second. Like, what for you worked? We'll start there. In terms of the writing aspect of how either he introduces characters or how he does the dialogue or whatever the case, like what worked for you character wise? Uh, character wise, I, I actually really liked the, um, I did actually like the dialogue and I felt mm -hmm. like Kevin did a really good job of always, the two main characters names are Fennec and Kit. And I felt like, um, or Fennec, excuse me. I think he did like a really great job of just always keeping them engaged and it was sometimes in the description as well, where it was always like an extra glance, a look. They felt lived in. Let's just put mm -hmm. it that way. And I mm -hmm. thought that that was really helpful. And that's sometimes hard to do. So that was something that I really enjoyed about kind of the writing and, and the two main characters. I did find Fennec in particular was someone I could just imagine in the scene. I could just see him and just his body language. Like I could just see it yeah. all, which if you can achieve that that very much tells an executive that this could be a movie yeah, or an actor in this case, because the, the big thing about this script was that it got, you know, these stars attached to it. So yeah, if you're able to pull that off and I think too, like the, the setup, which we can talk about later, because I think the setup is, is interesting where he chose to set it up. But I feel like I got a really clear picture of Kit and the setup that they currently have. And I'm kind of looking through the script to see where are the moments where I really felt that I was getting a clear picture of her. Um, like one line on page four is, she smiles and looks up from her mirror. The sight mm -hmm. of the rifle doesn't diminish her grin. 100%, the fact that yeah. like, yeah, there's something, like the way she's reacting to the gun and it's just, it's it's putting me in that moment and I can very clearly see her behaving in this moment. Yeah. Um, and especially like just a, the next action description after a few lines of dialogue after that is, you know, they're talking about guns and the conversation's getting a little bit more tense and Kit returns to applying sunscreen, her empty shotgun still limp in her arms. Like there's just a nonchalance to that line that again, I can just really see it's very visceral to me. I can yeah. very clearly see Kit in this movie. So I lines like that become very helpful, especially when you're setting up your characters. Yeah, I, I think that's a really, really important point because it's hard to do. It's very hard to do where you can just read a character and you're just you're with them. You're like, oh, I know exactly who this is. And Kevin does a really good job. Yeah. And I think in Fennec in particular, I kind of feel like Kit has a little bit way to go to sort of have a more 
unique voice mm-hmm. than Fennec, who is just he's he's really fun. Um, I was missing a little bit of that from her, but that's a character pass that you do, right? Yeah. To just go through and look at her lines. Yeah, I was thinking about this. If I talk about something, am I going to get too far like off track here? No, please. Okay. Because the Fennec character, he's after Kit. Like that's what he wants throughout. You know, like we're, we're so, we know what his want is. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there were at times where I wasn't 100% sure with Kit. Like it, 100%, yeah. And I think that that was really important. And just when you kind of, you're approaching a character, you're like, this is what Fennec wants. He wants yeah. Kit. And and you just know that. And I, I feel like when you have that in your, um, your characters or within your script, it really helps define who this person is. And I think mm-hmm. that might also be a reason why his voice is so defined is because he's yes. always after the exact same thing. I think that's a super good point. That's absolutely correct. The reason why he's so defined and so clear is because in every scene, every time he talks, you know what he's going after and the dialogue points to that. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not literally pointing, if he's not literally talking about the thing that he wants, just the way he's behaving in the scene is very clear. Whereas you're right, Kit's want is not as clear. And that was actually something that I thought was interesting with this script is that it starts with Kit's point of view. And for the most part, we're in Kit's point of view, meaning we're seeing the world mostly through her eyes, including how she sees Fennec. Mm-hmm. Um, like she kind of sees him as a screw up a little bit, a bit of a goofball. And we kind of get that feeling because we're through her eyes. Right. But I know what he wants, Fennec, more than I know what my main character wants. Right. And that's that's something I think to pay attention to because you're right. The solve is to make sure you know what Kit wants. And at every scene, she's going after that in some mm-hmm. way or sh- whatever she's doing in that scene is actively moving her towards that goal. And I think her want is to get this job over with so she can be done with being a hit woman. Right. And so therefore, probably the tone of her scene should be like urgency. Like, let's just get this done. And he's like, no, like, let's hang out. Like, we'll get to know each other better. He wants to slow down the pace so that he can get to know her and be romantic with her. And she wants to up the pace so they can just be done with it. And as soon as you have those two dynamics, like that becomes really interesting in every scene. But you don't have that urgency from Kit here. Totally. And by the way, it's hard to nail that urgency. Oh, totally. It's hard to nail that. With Vinick, when you have dynamics in these kind of movies, you know, you always kind of have, a lot of times you have, you know, the Mel Gibson, the Danny Glover. You you have to be like two Mm -hmm. opposing people. You know, you have the fish out of water and then you have the seasoned vet. They're put together. And with this, they're both seasoned vets. But so that's Mm. why it's really interesting where it's hard to kind of nail what Kit wants. And that's a hard, it's a hard thing to do is what I'm saying. So it's not like an easy thing to attain. But when you're Fennec, you're like, okay, cool. Uh, like in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, for example, they just want to kill each other. And yeah. They don't want to kill each other. And like, that's just so crystal clear and defined. Mm-hmm. And even in that movie, that's a good example too, because I mean, it's a good example of everything. Basically, mm-hmm. that movie's perfect. But she is kind of more refined, yeah. Right. She, her tastes are more refined. The way she moves across a room is more refined. And they make a point of like Brad Pitt being like what, like the scene that sticks out for me is when he's peeing. He just like decides to like pee <laughs> yeah. out in the open. And he like, he's just kind of a mess about it a little bit. Like there's yeah. a, there's just a small character difference in the way they are that transforms everything they do from there on out. Yeah. 
And you are kind of missing like that key thing. I think with Kit more than Fennec. Again, he comes off as like a lovable goofball and that's kind of his character trait, right? I am yeah. sort of missing what the thing is with with Kit. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the setup because openings of movies are the most important thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe not the world. All right, no, let's, the world. Let's, let's take that back. Yeah. <laughs> so this has a really, I, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I think this has a really fun setup that felt kind of unique. We're out in Africa. We're hunting lions. And of course, all of us, in our, if we're in our right minds, are like, no, hunting lions is bad. And what was fun about this opener is that it's like, it's basically save the cat where the yeah. cat is the lion <laughs> because Kit essentially stops this prize hunter, trophy hunter from killing a lion yeah. and she is saving the cat. And if you know what save the cat means, it's just this kind of idea that if you see your character, your hero saving a cat in your movie, we immediately love them because we see that they have a heart and um you know they do that literally here which i thought was very clever no totally i actually really like the opening i mean i don't know how micro we're breaking this down but something you know of course you're hunting lions not good but then oh by the way this dentist happened to also be uh taking advantage of women while they were or like right there was like a mm -hmm. there was an element where they were under when they were drugged he was maybe taking advantage of them so like you hate this fucking guy and then you yeah. automatically love uh, Kit like right off the bat and she's so calm and I just thought it was a really clever. Nice yeah, opening. I think those are smart things to hit on is that he makes himself seem like an asshole too because he talks down to her right. and sort of dismisses her as not a good hunter because she's a woman and the fact that she proves that she's actually a really great hunter by the yeah. end of the scene you immediately like her because you're like you you root for her and that's that's the important thing i think is like rooting for the hero which can be very hard to do and i'm currently writing a script where my note was we don't root for your main character yet and i'm like well fuck yeah. <laughs> how do i do that because it is something you do have to pay attention to and i think this script does a great job at immediately making you root for her because of who she's in the scene with. It's like the reactions to this horrible guy makes you immediately root for her to defeat him. And I think yeah. that's really clever. And if you're writing a action movie and you have to deal with assassins, it's really hard to get on the side of the assassin a lot of times because they are killing people. And so yes. this does a good <laughs> job of, hey, listen, they're hunt this guy's hunting animals and he's also taking advantage of women. You're like, fuck it, he's dead. I want yeah. him dead. And now yeah. instantly we have good people. Yeah. Question for you on that. Do you feel like this movie would still work if it did not also have the concept of these assassins only kill bad people? If they just kill people, if they're just hired to kill anyone, do you think you this movie would still work? I think it would be the same movie, actually. Okay. Okay. You? I'm pausing because I know, I feel like Kevin doesn't, want it to be interchangeable i feel like a big no, part of sure. why he wants you to love kit is because she has a moral code but i agree with you currently it feels like she could just kill anyone and it sort of doesn't matter by the way i actually think it'd be really interesting if she could just kill anybody yeah i think so too because then because if you allow that to happen 
I think what's an interesting consequence is that you can then lean into the romantic aspect of it, like their fun banter back and forth and like the will they won't they kind of stuff like in Mr. and Mrs. Smith when they're dancing in that in that restaurant scene. And there's this really cool sort of dynamic between them. You can play with more of that because that's where the fun comes in. And then you allow the killing to just just sort of be what it is. Whereas Mm -hmm. now like the killing becomes part of the story because you want to use it to justify why your main character is cool. But you maybe don't need that if they're cool in so many other ways. Right. By the way, you would have to, I I know as, as from writing, you would have to change it to make sure that they're killing bad people. Like there's no world in which you can just like, I can hear a note coming in being like, listen, they have to be killing bad people. They just can't be killing people. We have to know who they're killing. I don't know. And Mr. and Mrs. Smith, that's never said that they're, they're just, there's just a target, right? But I think it's assumed that they're bad guys. Maybe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like true lies, it's clearly terrorists that he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like there's a version. There's a version you could get away with it. I, oh, would, I would probably write that version. <laughs> I would try to do that. I'd be like, Tasha. There needs to be some <laughs> happiness here. There needs to be, they need to be killing bad people. Like they are the bad be me. people. I'd be nodding and smiling in writer's group. And then uh-huh. afterwards, I'd just be like, fuck you, Josh. Yeah. Josh's <laughs> stupid doing fucking note. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to talk about the villain story a bit because we talk about villain stories all the time on uh-huh. this podcast because it's we deal with villains in our stories all the time. And this is an example of villains, the villain story being extremely simple, like so simple. Maybe simple is not even the right word, like absent, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. like the villain is not like, I don't know what the villain really looks like. He's not really in the story much at all until the very end. And then only briefly, let's talk about like, does that work for you? Do you wish there was more? And if you do wish there was more, like, where would you put it in the story? It works in the context of this script for me because, Mm -hmm. and this was part of the reason I was like, you know, this kind of feels like this indie film kind of like bunched into a action film. What I mean by that is in most action scripts that I've written and things that I've, that have really resonated with me is that you see the villain throughout and there's this constant threat looming over your heroes. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this, it's it's more of a romance and it doesn't really have that ticking clock of this villain even though there kind of is a ticking clock because it leads up to a wedding towards the end. But yeah, I just never, I never fully got that sense. Yeah. Did you? No, I think what's interesting is you're right. I don't feel like I need more villain, but I do think something that could make this story a bit more engaging and feel less like what you're talking about, which is kind of this indie drama of just two characters talking set in this action world is if they were forced to engage with the villain more. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because you've already been married. I'm planning a wedding. And there's a lot of, like, lead up to these things, right? Like, there are reception dinners and there are wine tastings with the family and stuff like that, which I think would be really interesting if part of their job of infiltration was they had to go to these things as a couple and like, she doesn't want to be a couple and he does. 
right? That's like where I thought it was going, actually. That's yes. Where I thought this was, yeah. yeah, me too. And I think in that way, you can see the villain in more. And, and what's interesting about that version is it's not necessarily like the threat that you're talking about. Like the villain in this movie, regardless of how you write this, is never the threat to our characters because they're so badass. Their job is to kill him. This guy is like an energy executive. He's He can't defend himself against assassins. He's going to die by the, by the end of this movie. He's not a threat. The yeah. threat is sort of their relationship and breaking up. But by plunging them into the world of the villain and forcing them to be in uncomfortable situations that they don't want to be in, that I think could have both brought in the villain more and made it more part of the story as well as making it more of an action movie as well. Yeah. Which is interesting. I would agree. I just want to say a couple things that I, I thought this did, did a good job, this script. I, I felt like Kevin created a really a world that feels big. And we've talked mm -hmm. about this a lot within John Wick and our favorite movie of all time, Nobody, um, <laughs> where I, I felt, and I think that's done in the description and it's done with taking place at different spots. And there was that Lorenzo character, which I thought was an interesting character. I love Lorenzo. Brought, I did too. And he brought out, I feel like Lorenzo kind of going to um, John Wick, he would be the equivalent to the, the guy who is the, um, like the host at the mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hotel. And Lorenzo was a very lovable character, and I and I and I thought it was just a clever way to kind of expand this world. You know, you always have yeah. that one character who's like, "What gun do you need?" And you're like, "Whoa, this guy! See, where the fuck did this guy come from?" And I I feel like you need those in action movies to to nobody the world to make it feel bigger, to make it yeah. feel like something. That going is on. such a great point because it one that was some of my favorite stuff was walking into i think he just sells watches right or in jewelry but his yeah. side business is he can craft you the most amazing gun like this is his like he is a craftsman he's an artisan of guns and so you know he's what's cool too is like the consequence of that fun character trait forces him to ask questions about fennec that makes yeah. you know fennec more because he's like i have to know you in order to create the perfect gun for you yeah <laughs> and that's just like a fun clever sort of device to get to know your character and yeah, it makes the world feel special. It does. And I, and, I, and I think that's really important in action films where it's almost like you can take this character. It's like Harry Potter. Right? They go into Diagon Alley and you have these characters where you feel like you can watch your own movie of just this one person. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Lorenzo spinoff here for that. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> As a whole, I felt like this movie that I've said this a million times about the indie thing, but like it does feel like weirdly contained, but also really big at the same time, which I think if you're writing mm -hmm. is like a big selling point for a movie because of how many character scenes they have with each other, Fennec and Kit. And mm -hmm. I think that was really intentional and maybe why maybe the villain wasn't involved a little bit more, but I just feel like, right? Like the movie felt big, but it's not huge, right? No, you're bringing up amazing points. There is something very sellable about the idea that this feels huge but for the most part is just and even if you expanded it like we were kind of talking about of if they're engaging more like the wine tasting or like the reception dinner those are still smaller events we're yeah. not james bonding it riding bikes on trains and shit but it feels like we are still in the world of james bond which i think they pull off because we do go to a couple different locations, but we're always pretty contained within those locations, which just from a sort of um, production standpoint makes it much cheaper, right? So yeah. that's a great point. Yeah. Great way to cheat that, I think. I completely agree. 
And sorry, I just I love action films. So this is all I think about when I'm like reading oh, this. I'm, I'm like, I'm oh, so okay. Glad. Wow, all right. And then okay, just one more thing, Tasha. Just one more thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, a scene that I really loved was when Fennec brought Kit to. It was on page sixty. If you have the script, uh, it's, mm-hmm. they go out to. I think they go to a cocktail party, and then they get caught, and then they end up fighting in the kitchen. They had no way out, and I thought it was a really well written action sequence inside of the kitchen. But also, I thought it was really great because it was rooted totally in Fennec's character where he was trying to get things back on track and because he did this things went completely south and now they have to fight together and those are the kind of moments that I think you want as opposed to Fennec and Kit walking down the street and lo and behold they brush past um, a bad guy who recognizes him like you want to always have your characters be put into these scenarios because of their own decisions right Yes. Okay. Yes. Fantastic you look, point. If not, do you just do you just disagree with me? Because no, I am like ju- no, I absolutely do not disagree with you. I think that's a fantastic point. I think my expression was just like, damn, yeah, no, I should I should have thought of that as well. <laughs> no, great. no, no, fantastic. I, no, that because that was like <laughs> because it's always really hard to get into an action scene in an action movie where you're yeah. on the offensive because a lot of action movies you're on the defense a lot. If you mm-hmm. are, I mean, if you're writing this scene and you're like. All right, man. I it's been a long time since there's been a a cool fight. How do I get into a cool fight? Yep. And however that is, it has to be because of your characters. One hundred percent. And I try to think about that. I try to do that as much as I can in my action scripts, and I still fail at doing that, even though I'm conscious of it. And always get the note: Can this come from character? Mm-hmm. So it's it's on our mind. It's on producers' mind. It's on studios' minds it should always come from character you're right it should never be and you see this all the time in bad action scripts where just like thug number one bursts through and like yeah. he's like hey you you know yeah. Like, yeah, yeah yeah i got a bone to pick with you right and if thug number one busts in it should be because you accidentally went to the wrong room because you're in, in the middle of an argument and you yes. wanted some like peace and quiet and you're like fuck we chose the wrong room thug number one's right over there yes 100 percent Beautiful. You're so yeah, beautiful. that's what something I think this scripted really well. This is my closing number where it was like a lot of their the the things that happened to them were based out of their own decisions. It wasn't just random. Yeah, yeah. He did that's a really all. great job with that. Another place where he does that, I think, uh, in a really fun way is when they're in the car crossing the border mm. and they're arguing yeah. and then it causes a really tense scene where the I was gonna say crossing guard, I don't I don't know why. Customs guard. <laughs> Custom- yeah, crossing guard. <laughs> Um, pulls Fennec out and talks to him and you're like, oh, fuck. And it's because they were arguing this whole time and acting weird. And that's what causes that to happen versus mm-hmm. just if they drove up and the crossing guard pulls them out anyways. That's not that's not fun. No, it's not fun at all. You need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100 percent. All right. My last question is always like, why do you think this script got the talent attached to it? I think it's because it's a bit like not to say this is the last time I'll say this. It's so character based. Yeah. And, and, and I really think like someone, if I were pitching this to um, a manager, or excuse me, an actor, if I was their agent and their manager, I'd be like, listen, this is like a much more character based true lies. Like I could see that as a selling point. Now, mm-hmm. as me as a true lies connoisseur, I would not believe it. But if yeah, I was just selling it. Like, as you said, it's a selling point. This is a, a, a character-based true lies. It allows, it's going to be an action film. It allows you to, you know, show off your acting chops. But also, you know, you can, it's just rooted in character, I guess is the mm-hmm. best way I can put it. And then 
I just feel like that alone just is like a, a selling point. No, it is because you're right. It's not just an action movie where you're going to just be doing a lot of stunts and yeah. saying cool one-liners. There's actually stuff you're talking about. You're talking about relationships. You're talking about falling in love and romance and changing your life to for the yeah. better. These are all big character stuff that uh, an actor can sink their teeth into and, and really enjoy. And um, yeah, and I think for Priyanka, I mean, who what woman doesn't want to play a badass in a movie? Yeah. Men get to do it all the time. Women rarely. So it's like a great opportunity to play a hit woman. Yeah. Is that your answer too? It is. To your own, to the question that I forgot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Quote of the day. Quitting isn't the solution for everything all the time. Fennec from Ending Things <laughs> by Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> please remember to rate and subscribe follow us at act two writers for more awesome writing stuff you can follow me tasha at story thursday on instagram or on twitter at tasha 3.0 and i am josh hallman on instagram joshua hallman on twitter and as always the act two podcast is a production of act two a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter this episode was edited by paul lundquist music by 414 bag which you can find on spotify mm-hmm.